What's up, Lit and Lucid Podcast fans? This is Jared here, recording live from the Mile High. About to hit it off with episode 18 with Chia Rodriguez, coming to you live from Mendocino, California. Stay tuned as my co-host Lucy Rose dishes out the questions and we get the answers. Welcome, everybody, to the Lit and Lucid podcast, episode 18. We're here recording live in the Mile High. We have our first Skype session today with Chia Rodriguez. She's the founder and operations director with Mendocino Generations in Mendocino County in California. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. Super cool. Um, so yeah, we connected via Instagram, social media. And so this is really cool to have somebody else from California. This will be our second California episode. So we're super excited to have you. Um, but it's really cool to kind of just connect the two, uh, what's going on in California and Colorado. Uh, so we appreciate you being on the show. Uh, but a little bit about Mendocino Generations. It's an alliance of legal permitted farms in Mendocino County, and they're working together to grow, breed, create organic herbal medicine. Uh, so right now they have over 60 farms that they're working together with. Uh, Chia helped start this uh, back in 2007, and they've grown ever since then. She's a second generation cultivator. And what they do is they focus on quality and not quantity. So it's really focusing on small batch cannabis farms. Uh, they have two product lines in California right now. It's Arcana Farms or Arcana Flower, and then uh, Mendocino Generations Flowers as well. And they're focusing here on organic, sustainable practices, sun-grown cannabis, things like that. So we're super excited to hear more about that. Um, and I also heard that you were going to be in an up-and-coming documentary, Ladybugs. Ladybugs. True. So we'll have <laughs> like, to talk about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and um, a couple other things that I noted, I saw that you have Lyme disease and maybe you're using cannabis to kind of combat those types of issues, so that might be something we want to uh, note on. And then another interesting thing I saw was that you guys are women-dominated, 77% of your farm is women-ran, so that's pretty cool as well. Right, yeah. Cool. Yeah, we have a lot going on. Lots going on for sure, so maybe if you want to just give us a good, you know, brief background on what's going on and where you came from, things like that. Okay, for sure. So um, I grew up in Mendocino County, California, out in a, a rural area in a back-to-the-land commune, basically, back-to-the-land hippie commune. And my husband and I are both second generation from that community, and we're both second generation cannabis farmers. And so we started working um, together with our neighbors a couple years back and um, decided that Together, you know, we all really needed to help each other to figure out how we're going to survive the changes of the industry. And, and you know, the word tsunami kind of kept coming up, like, here comes this wave that we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know where we're going to fit in. And, and how do we do something to help ourselves stand out, be unique, but also um, incorporate our friends, our neighbors, our, you know, our community in that and help the local economy survive and help ourselves thrive um, as well. And so we started connecting with people and just basically by um, my husband and myself um, becoming legal in the most legal way that we could in our county at that point, there was a program called the 9.31 program. And that was to just the number of the ordinance that was created. But um, you could basically pay for tags at the sheriff's station and the sheriff would come out to your land and look at your plants and um, you know, all that, it was, it was pretty nerve wracking and not really the place that we wanted to have our, 
you know, our cannabis being overseen, that's not really the the right department. Um, And so we made a lot of headway with that um, moving into the ag department and we started learning a lot and talking to a lot of people and our neighbors and our friends and community that we worked with forever started asking us questions. How, how do we do it? How do we go legal? And how do you, you know, how do you think this is going to go? And, and how should we, you know, align ourselves to be ready for it? And so that just kind of launched us into this whole idea of like, well, we need to form some kind of collective at that point. And so we did that. We formed a, a formal cannabis collective we had at that point we had 35 farms in 2017 and we worked together really hard to create a brand first called arcana flowers and that is a a spiritual cannabis brand um and we you know we cultivate like seven different strains and that menu kind of rotates but we had a few farmers growing those strains and we built that up pretty well across 2017 and then we started seeing that uh you know there's a lot more coming and uh oh you know like what what does this really mean all of a sudden there's all these new brands and all these new products and people with a ton of money backing them basically like and we're just these little podunk hippies out in the woods like how are we going to do this how are we going to survive and so you know we started working with distributors and and other companies and a lot of other contacts and manufacturers and things to to build this up and so over time it's really evolved into now what we call farm alliance basically we're not a collective anymore because that model has sunset for us in california and so um moving forward helping the farmers basically just kind of do what what they want to do you know what they're best at but also kind of harness the strains and and have like a smaller menu basically we had 60 farms and well actually when we had 35 farms we had 187 strains and how do you market something like that that's impossible Mm -hmm. so so we threw that arcana flowers brand tried to like lessen the amount of strains people were planting and now with the mendocino generations flower brand that's a line of flowers that we promote unique strains that are grown in mendo developed in mendocino county things that you can't really find anywhere else Um, and so we're trying to push sun-grown cannabis from all corners of Mendocino County. Really diverse group, and um, it's really exciting, actually. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, why don't you maybe explain to the listeners a little bit more about, like, the benefits of sun-grown cannabis? Sure. Well, I've just been researching a little bit lately. um, Since all this new information about terpenes has been coming out, there's so much new science around how the sun actually harnesses more, um, well, the plants actually harness more of the energy from the sun and create terpenes that actually aren't present in indoor cannabis. Um, They've done some tests to compare the two. And and so we know that the the light of the full spectrum, the sun is providing something that you actually cannot get from growing plants inside. And so, you know, besides that, we, we love being outside in the garden and farming and and we're really pushing for that like you know permaculture diverse gardens growing more than one you know monocrop because yeah. we do have those farmers and they fit a certain bill and they do a really good job at it they're still growing organically and they're they're providing consistent product that you can you know fulfill large orders with but we also have these super diverse small farms that are growing you know just 2500 square feet which really is nothing it's it's really small farm um so they can now grow like 2500 square feet or 50 plants and most of those farmers really want to grow seed starts 
And, and there you have a lot of genetic diversity. And so that's something that's a little harder to market, but we're trying to work really hard to figure out ways to fit them in um, and promote them through that. So, you know, with, with the sun-grown cannabis, like this movement that's happening, it's really about educating people out there, talking to people in our largest marketplace, which is, <clears throat> excuse me, um, really Southern California at this point, the Bay Area is, you know, close behind, but, um, you know, really trying to change people's frame of thinking that, that sun grown is actually superior and you can find just as amazing product from full sun farms than you can from, from anywhere else. Um, we do have a lot of greenhouse growers in our group and light dip as well. And so their product, you know, is, is maybe a little bit more dense and um, finishes earlier, so we kind of have a you know we have an advantage there. But um, you know, I think that the sun grown is really something special, and we live in this microclimate in Mendocino County that that's so unique and perfect for growing cannabis, and that's why people have been doing it here for you know we have some farmers going on fourth generation. Wow. Yeah. I think what's cool too with SunGrown is that uh, I don't know if you looked up on our background or not, but I work at a SunGrown farm here in Colorado. Um, so definitely went through the same hurdles you have as far as trying to market SunGrown because everybody thinks indoor is superior and it's really not when you understand the science. Um, even today I was preaching about, you know, why is SunGrown different? And it's like you said, totally the full spectrum light does something differently with the plants. Um, but I think what's big now is that a lot of the cannabis industry, the whole movement was focused on, you know, like loving the earth and, and trying to move towards, you know, more freedoms and stuff for all and more of like a sustainable future, even for medicine. Right. And I think now we've made this divergent part where it's, you know, there's so much money into it and people are so accustomed to growing it indoors that now we have indoor cultivations taken over just because that's been the gold standard for the past 40 or 50 years of prohibition. And it's just now that people are able to expand on the outdoor operations and outdoor operations are coming online and kind of getting more light. Um, but it is 100% where the industry, I believe, needs to go. It needs to go towards organic, sun-grown cannabis because it's a much more sustainable option for the future of cannabis. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I'm kind of proud of California in a way. I mean, put all the legislation aside. Um, they actually did something in our favor, and so did our local county, actually. They created a sustainable certification that you um, that you can get at the county level, but also the state has put such rigorous testing um, guidelines down that, that, I mean, you are forced to be organic, and that's great, and beyond organic, really, because there's such a limited amount of products that you can use and so we encourage our farmers to use IPM which is integrated pest management as much as possible and um, interplanting and using you know planting vegetables and fruit crops all in between their cannabis too and their farms are just gorgeous because of it but you know um, just really like thankful that actually the state is pushing us as a as an industry more towards something sustainable and clean anyways yeah that's yeah. awesome that's huge on that's California huge, yeah. too um, do you think that's came through you guys getting more word out there to where, you know, the legislators and stuff and the people making the rules are enlightened to it? Or do you think that's just California being progressive on their own? It's probably a combination of both. I, I wasn't really too hip on what was happening to build the, um, you know, Prop 64 and the legislation around things so much in the beginning. But I know that there was definitely some small pharma groups like CGA, um, California Growers Association and such that were pretty involved in, in the formation of all that. So probably some influence there. Yeah. 
Cool. And what do you see about like the consumers? Like, do you feel like they're starting to get on board? This is something that they're looking for and wanting. There's a demand for it. Well, yeah, I think um, I think they are. They, you know, a lot of people just don't know it. I mean, you see people who shop at Whole Foods and they're really concerned about organic produce and organic whatever and then they go into a dispensary on the street and they just buy anything and they're not thinking consciously about that choice of what they're smoking and inhaling and or putting topically on their body and they're they're not connecting the dots yet or they weren't but I really see a huge shift in that happening especially as you see like our largest growing group of consumers is elderly people right now I mean I, I say elderly I mean I should say like people you know my parents' generation and up, they're not elderly yet. But, um, you know, that they're, they're really coming back to it. You know, they were in that, like, the peace, love, freedom movement and back to the land, mm-hmm. and they were, you know, smoking a lot of cannabis and free love, right, in the 60s, 70s, whatever. And then they kind of moved on to their careers, and their kids got bigger, and they kind of moved away from utilizing cannabis. Um, and now they're really coming back to it, but in a different way and with a different frame of thinking around it. Because before, you know, you'd smoke something and it and it didn't get you necessarily super high because the THC wasn't so strong like it is nowadays you can find like both extremes right you can find super duper strong THC but you can also find CBD and CBN where you actually aren't really actually feeling any effects from it right that moment and so it has opened up a large can of worms for new consumers to see that like you know they can drink juiced leaves or they can use topical salves or they can take a tincture and there's so many various effects for their various ailments and issues that you know it's really opened up everybody's minds and mine too i mean who who would have thought really a few years ago we'd be we'd be talking about all these like new fabulous you know cannabis lubrications and like topical products pet Mm -hmm. cbd products right there's so many innovation i love it yeah it's great yeah (laughs) Um, so I have a question. Um, you said something about Arcana Flower being spiritually, like a spiritual brand. Um, uh-huh. My background is in cannabis and yoga, and so we kind of do the same things you were talking about. We want to make sure we're, you know, sourcing sustainable organic products for what we're consuming, so we're not putting any more, you know, chemicals into our body as well. So maybe, maybe touch base on what that means for you guys. Uh-huh. Well, Arcana Flowers came out of this idea. The word Arcana with one N. Um, basically means like the the secret remedy that a plant holds the power and the spirit of a plant um and so we added another end just for the cannabis piece um and so you know our motto is is better living through cannabis and whatever that means for you really um and we look that look at that from all angles it's for us it's growing the plants my husband has a really deep spiritual connection with the plants and the earth and he you know that's his meditative time he goes to the garden first thing in the morning and he talks to them and he gets information from them about what they need or you know like looks at them and he spends a lot of time in the garden right so that's his kind of like church his spiritual place and so he has a deep connection with that but it also translates into the medicine and people tell us that all the time that that this flower just tastes and affects us so much better because of the love and, and attention that goes into it. And so we strive to do that in, in all the things that we do with our business and our corporation and our, you know, and our alliance too, because we're really a bunch of families that are now one big family. We, we treat each other like that. We love each other. We help each other. And, you know, like right now with the fires, 
helping each other evacuate and whatever, you know, put people up in our homes. And so it has become kind of a symbol of just like the love and the unity that cannabis creates in our community. That's awesome. Yeah. That's super cool. So is there any particular um, like strains you guys focus on or any effects with those flowers you guys grow or? Well, yeah, my husband started out. So we've been cultivating for about 20 years or so on our own um and our land right now about 18 years i think it's our 18th summer actually there um and so we started out with some local strains people have given us various seeds or starts and kind of did some some breeding and you know he's a master at breeding and he's been trying to breed out certain problems that cannabis commonly has in our area namely um botrytis which is bud rot Mm -hmm. and also um powdery mildew which isn't really an issue at this moment i mean it's not you don't want to see that on the plant but they're not testing for it anymore because they discovered i guess that it's not affecting humans when you inhale it or you smoke it so it's not on the the testing um the coa testing at this point so um but he has been breeding that out because it's a pain in the butt it doesn't look good it's you know it's unsightly so um he has been crossing genetics where we had um some like Afghani Kush from way back and we've been crossing it with something that we now developed into our own strain called the true Kush. And we've crossed that with multiple things. And so, um, generally, you know, they're, they're all hybrids, but you know, we're pretty much focusing on like, um, indicas and sativas, but we just started working in CBDs into our, our products and working in a, a, a strain called the gift, which is, um, a CBD strain that one of our farmers actually has developed from the Ringo's gift um, to be somewhere around a 34 to 1 was the last uh, test result that came out. Yeah, and yeah, and it just um, got confirmed that he got the highest terpenes for CBD flower on record. Holy cow. And, huge. Yeah, that just, awesome. he just got that confirmation like two or three days ago. He just sent me a text saying that. And so that's amazing. But, mm-hmm. you know, what we're really looking for is to try to find some balance effect now. So we've crossed that with some of our high C or THC strains, like the true berry more is one of our, our signature strains. <laughs> like, <laughs> so awesome. we have the true Kush cro- crossed with a berry strain somewhere in there. So we got true berry more. Um, <laughs> I love that name, but you know, we kind of like play off the true berry more mm-hmm. thing just for fun sometimes. But you know, um, it's a, you know, really energetic, spunky, but super high, THC strain that gives you a lot of energy you want to go out like hike a mountain but it's really you know it's really strong so so it's not um, going to make you forget everything like she did in 50 first dates right <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah so you know we've been developing those strains like kind of working them and now we have the Jedi Knights for example we have the Wookiee Cookies we have a lot of varieties so yeah we're playing around with names we have you know kind of an ongoing list (laughs) in our phones these days when you have like a stoner moment you're like oh yeah that's great I like how you guys are doing like natural breeding though and not just jumping the gun and trying to go the way that most companies are going through you know genetic modification I like Uh that you guys are allowing the plants to, to develop those um, resistances and, and breeding those out on your own because that's the way that nature does it. I mean, that's the way you're going to be the most sustainable in the future. And um, so yeah, like it that. takes time. I mean, that's the thing is like you get maybe two sh- two chances a year if mm-hmm. you're really crafty because we we now utilize light deprivation um, 
to kind of advance the genetics along. And so we did that with a couple different things and, you know, kept things over winter so we could seed some things and create more pollen. And, you know, it's, it's a constant, um, job. It's not, it's not just like cultivating a lot of people who grow by starts from somebody else. So they're already, you know, female or they buy a bunch of clones and they kind of just go from there and they don't, they're not putting the science behind it. And I think that's really why a lot of our sun-grown farmers are so attached to this growing phenotypically, like growing individual strains because everyone comes out so different. It's like every plant is a friend and they all have a different personality and a different effect by the end of the season. You learn so much from working with them. And so, you know, you kind of have to give up something a little bit to grow more of a, like a lot of less things. Right. So we're working on that with some of our farmers who like that, where they want to grow like 10,000 square feet of two varieties. And that's great. That works for them. Um, but, it, you know, there is something to be said behind that science and the ingenuity and just like the pure magic that happens. Because sometimes who would have ever known, like maybe there was an accidental pollen that came across, you know, that you didn't intentionally cross that and that just is like the magic strain so mm-hmm. you never know what you're going to get really we, even, we had a grower um that was talking about we were planning growth for our greenhouses and he was even going as far as saying like certain strains cannot actually grow next to each other because the terpenes and other kind of the essence of the plant will they'll battle each other pretty much and there's oh, other strains that. that just work well when they're in the same room with each other so um, <laughs> that was something i never heard but i mean it does make sense when you think about a lot of different aspects of the strains and everything i mean they're, it's a very complex plant when you get down to it well when you think about companion planting i mean that just kind of popped up in my mind when you said that it's like we plant you know yarrow or marigolds under the cannabis because it attracts certain bugs and it you know deters certain bugs or issues right so maybe it's something like that with the terpenes yeah maybe lack. terpenes they just <laughs> battle or something i don't know that's cool Interesting. that's great so let's um Let's kind of shift now and we you know talk about more about your background and um, you know why is cannabis such a big part of your life? Um, you know, you guys said you guys have been in it for twenty years now. You know, what point was it that you guys realized that cannabis is something you guys want to devote your life to or, or be involved with? Wow, big question. Well, <laughs> no, <right? laughs> no easy. Test. So forgive me if I go off on a tangent because it's a lot. There's a lot behind that. Um, really, so I was born into it. Um, my father moved out into uh, the land that I was born on to get away from the man being like, you know, the government at that point. And that was like 1973, 74, something like that. Um, and so, you know, he was a school teacher. He had retired from, um, he taught army brats in, in Germany and he was just done with society. Basically he wanted to just kind of escape. So he, moved out there and then quickly realized like, well, what am I going to do for money? Cause there's, you know, that only lasted so long. And so he started growing cannabis, just like everybody else around. They started sharing strains and techniques. And basically he grew in the blackberry bushes. Um, we had a few acres of blackberry bushes and, and the trees around there, they would kind of like build platforms up in them and get really creative about where they put the plants. Because at that point, the helicopter was your biggest fear. You hear a helicopter, you run. I mean, my dad would tell me, when you hear that sound, you go hide in the shade. They can't see you under the tree. You know, you want to just, like, basically act like you're not there. 
Um, and so that instilled something really deep in me. And even to this day, even though that now we have this sign out on our, you know, we used to have this like big numbered sign out on our hill that basically said to the helicopters, like, we are licensed. Um, even when I hear that helicopter sound, though, these days, it makes me freaking panic. I don't like it. Yeah. You know, it really, it takes me back to that, you know, that nightmare that I had. And so... I was, you know, raised under that level of fear. You don't tell anybody who you're, you know, what, what your dad does for a living and don't tell anybody, you know, just in general what um, people in our, you know, like I, I think that pe most people knew what everybody was doing, but you just, you never, you just don't tell anyone. And so um, when I met my husband, you know, it was kind of a similar situation. His father was busted in like 1981 for just a couple of plants. I think he had like four or six plants or something crazy like that. But when, when they came and um, busted in his house, you know, they, they like ravaged the house. They took all his shit. They cut his plants down with his own chainsaw. They tied him to a tree in the sun with, you know, like it was really traumatic. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people in our area had trauma stories like that. And so, um, you know, we've, we've tried to just kind of like work away from that as much as possible. And that's really why we started down this road with that 9.31 program I was talking about before. As soon as we had any opportunity to go legal with it, we decided that we were going to do that. We have two kids. Um, you know, we just don't want to live in fear anymore. We really just want to like do what we love and not have to worry about it. And so, I guess that was kind of the transition point of like when there was an opportunity to do it legally, we jumped on it immediately. And we've been kind of that, you know, spearheading <laughs> couple mm -hmm. in the area, kind of like, you know, a lot of people decided to do it because we were doing it and really helped them along. And so, yeah, I don't know about when, if there was like a pivotal moment really that we decided like, this is our path and our passion we have we're going to, you know, fight for it to the end. Like, I do have those moments right now that I say, screw it. I want to move to, like, a tropical island. I don't want to think about cannabis anymore. Right. <laughs> I don't want to do this. Like, it's really hard sometimes. You know, we we farm, but we also, like, half of farming is paperwork and compliance stuff. And, like, you know, we're forking out money left and right. And, and there used to be this stereotype that people who grew cannabis had a lot of money. And, yeah, maybe that was true when you could get – you know, I remember getting, you know, high prices, $35,000, $4,000, and I've heard people getting even more than that and per pound. And then now, you know, you're suffering at 600 I mean, come on, this is, this is not sustainable. And so here we are putting out all this money to become compliant in an industry that, you know, it, it parallels a lot of other industries, and there's a lot of unfairness there because – the wine industry, for example, doesn't have to do a lot of the stuff that we have to do in order to become compliant. And, you know, they're kind of pissed at us because we sparked this thing with the, the water board, um, the California state water boards, where now they have to comply with all this stuff. They have to, you know, mm -hmm. fill out paperwork and, and tell them how much water they're using. And when they move dirt and they build a building, and like, they're, they're not very happy with us. Um, but, you know, we're trying to work so hard to be compliant and do everything that we're asked to do, but yet... I think that a lot of people in the government um, see big dollar signs mm -hmm. when they think about cannabis farmers and they think, oh, let's milk them for, you know, this other fee. Let's tack this fee on them. Right now we're working with 28 agencies. Wow. That's crazy. Just 
Yeah, just to cultivate. And so, you know, sometimes, anyways, I got off on a tangent there, but I like, you know, I, sometimes I feel like, let's just run away. Right. <laughs> that is something We're big. Like, I mean, it's huge. Yeah, that is a big thing. Even we, and us in Colorado, me and Lucy's big push now is on social <clears throat> consumption. It's almost like the state has set up, you know, for consumers, it's like entrapment for consumers that they pass all these laws, you can recreationally consume, but then they passed this law last year, I believe, allowing a social consumption or for social consumption clubs, but then they make the license so restrictive that nobody's but one person, I think, has, has even got a license now. And then even beyond that, there's no public places to consume. Right. And so they're still handing out tickets left and right to people consuming cannabis publicly. So it's almost like they've set you up to fail. Right. And that they're not regulating it fairly with other <clears throat> industries or giving you a chance to do it correctly. Um, and I see that even on the compliance side that they regulate, you know, cannabis like it's some hardcore drug um, based off the prohibition mindset before when they openly let people consume alcohol anywhere, everywhere, right. buy as much as you wanted at a, spin or a, a liquor store right. and right. there's really nothing said. Um, right. And I think that's a, sh it's a, it's a shame, honestly. Um, as the industry as a whole, no matter what state it's in, is that they have not fairly regulated cannabis in, you know, regulation or I guess in a in a similar manner to other industries that are that are similar. Mm -hmm. Totally, you know, we're we're, we're battling this um, issue with events right now. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard too much about that in California, but um, I work really closely with a group called the Emerald Exchange, and they're um, a group of sun-grown advocates that have sort of popped out of the Mendocino County area in the beginning, but they have connections down in Southern California, and those guys are working really hard to connect Northern and Southern California through um, these cannabis events. Basically, they put out, you know, really beautifully um, created, like, you know, in a, a beautiful setting with lots of different vendors, um, sun-grown vendors, and, you know, there's music and all kinds of things and and those were going so well and they were so wonderful and so many people would come out to them and like I had no idea I've never seen a cannabis plant before I've never talked to a farmer before I don't even know where it really comes from and and so we had a great opportunity there where we could open up conversation it really built a lot of relationships it helped us expand our brands it really helped you know kind of grow that sun sun grown the positive thinking for sun grown and so now all of a sudden they're saying well you can't have events except at a fairgrounds and how many fairgrounds want to have a cannabis event probably not that many right. so there's a handful in california at this point and then you know they're saying that the farmers can only have four events a year four <laughs> events i mean come yeah. on before we were doing farmers markets every weekend like if you were really tied into the um farmers market scene you could do in our county two or three different cannabis farmers markets specifically okay. every month and then there's other events on top of that and you could be busy all the time and you could make so much more money by selling retail at, a, mm -hmm. at an event and talking to your consumers right. and building mm -hmm. relationships yeah. and like you know, we had people come to our booth and they said, oh, thank, I'm so glad you guys are here this weekend. You know, I ran out of my true berry more and I really need more. And like, you know, they, they really develop a relationship with us around the products. And it's such a shame now we can't do that anymore. And so there's a lot of advocacy happening right now and a big push um, towards, you know, changing that. But we'll see what happens. Um, and I really do hope that that kind of community aspect and that that those events come back because they're so vital and just really like you know showing the world and and people what diverse products there are you know who knows right. 
you know, who knew, like, like we were saying before, all these different products, there's so much diversity. Right. Um, and, you know, it would be a shame just to have the High Times Cup once a year or whatever in California. Mm-hmm. Like, we really we really want to show the diversity, and, and farmers do great at these events. Yeah. So it's our bread and butter. Absolutely. That's kind of where we are, kind of with our yoga classes. So we'll have different sponsors come out and showcase their products with the consumer, and that's literally the best way for them to connect you know, to their customer and they get to try that product and they made that connection now with the business owner or whatever it is. And they're going to be so much more likely now to go look for your product, go ask for it in dispensaries. Um, so I totally agree. Right. It's like ganja. You're doing like ganja yoga. Yeah. It's like ganja yoga. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. For Uh sure. Fun. It's super fun. Um, let's see one other thing. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about this lady buds documentary for people interested in that? Oh yeah. Okay. So, um, at an Emerald Exchange event in Malibu, um, in March of, like, 2017, I was approached by Chris Russo, who is the director of Ladybuds, and she has paceline pictures, she's um, down in LA, and she interviewed me at this event, and I didn't really think it was going to go anywhere, I didn't really know what I was interviewing for, honestly, like, I just, okay, sure, I'll do it, and then... It really morphed quickly. Um, Basically, she has six women she's been following, and so it's been about a year and a half. She comes out to our farm frequently, and now she's just part of our family too. But um, her team has come out, and they're they're focusing on people in all different parts of the industry. So they have a a woman who owns a manufacturing company, uh, two ladies who had, were like um, judges for the Emerald Cup and then also had a product body product line, um, a woman who was opening up a dispensary, and then she was also following um, a woman who, um, Allison from Treatwell, which you probably heard about this unfortunate permit patty situation that happened a month or so mm-hmm. ago. Um, so she's been removed from the documentary, but... We'll see what happens with that. Um, but it really, you know, shows how when people are under stress in this industry and you're, you know, you're put to your, like, you know, <laughs> trials and tribulations, like, every day you're put to, your, you know, like, the end of your rope all the time. Like, what what can happen there? So, anyways. Um, so, we've just kind of, she's just been following us, coming to our farm, like, watching the evolution of it. And my storyline is about the family, basically, the stress mm-hmm. that cannabis farming and becoming compliant and helping this group of like 60 farms become compliant um and what that what that story is all about and so you know it's it's been interesting it's, there's been a lot of unpredictable things that have happened and a lot of predictable things that have happened she came out during the fires in october i don't know if you heard about um those huge fires we had october 9th of last fall so that is right during harvest mm-hmm. and we had actually, I think, 12 of our farmers were directly threatened by that fire. We had a couple of farmers whose crops burned. We had a couple of farmers whose home burned. Oh, one farmer whose home burned and her crop did not burn. Um, and so we actually um, got the Ladybuds crew on scene there and got them at the line where the sheriff wasn't allowing cannabis farmers to go check on their crops, but yet they were allowing the vintners, the wine you know, 
the wine growers to go in and check on their crops, but they wouldn't let the farmers, cannabis farmers in. So we stood at the line fighting for that. And, um, one of my farmers, Ashley Oldham, she, you know, she's a tough cookie man. She was just like screaming at him and working at him with the video cameras right there. And we finally, they, they ended up letting people in, but at that point it was too late for some people. But, um, she actually ended up sneaking in around kind of a back way and saved her neighbor's home actually on her own and saved her greenhouse. The flames were right up to the greenhouse when she arrived and she actually saved her crop. She managed to get a harvest. Um, it was a pretty traumatic time, but you know, so this has been what the Ladybugs documentary has just been kind of following, like how um, myself and my husband relate to all of the farmers in our alliance, and how we work together to help them, and you know, the evolution of that, basically. That's awesome. That's cool. Is yeah, it so cool. is it available now? Or are they still kind of filming no. it? Filming it? <clears throat> yeah. So she's gonna film through this uh, this harvest. Okay. Cool. Cool. <laughs> you know. Um, We'll see. I, I think that some of the storylines aren't going to be finished at that point, but um, I think she might wind mine down. I'm not exactly sure, but I think I bet you in the springtime, something like that, it'll cool. come out. Yeah. There's a big push right now for fundraising for her. Um, if people go to Ladybug's um, website, and there's Facebook page and Instagram too, you can follow that and see there's a Kickstarter about to come out. I think it, I think it gets launched around August 11th. Um, she keeps moving the date back uh, a little bit, but um, yeah, they're doing a big push for fundraising and just try to get that out there. It's really, you know, going to be a great promotion for women in the industry, but just the industry in general. Absolutely. That's yeah. awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking to us. I'm so glad we got your perspective. I don't think we've had this kind of perspective yet. So I think this was really, yeah. was like, interesting. What do you think, um, what's the biggest hurdle do you think you guys still have to pass with California? I mean, you guys are still kind of, I guess, recreational still fairly new. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think is the biggest thing now you guys got to get past? Well, I mean, just for, I'll speak from my farm first. Um, I think the biggest hurdle right now is... We're, we're faced with harvest coming. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't have money. So personally, like, it's hard to pay trimmers to finish product um, to get it on the market and beat the flood. So that's kind of my next big hurdle that's happening. And right around the same time for me is um, finalizing my annual license. So I have my temporary license. And then to move into that annual license, that's a giant chunk of money it's about eleven thousand dollars annually for me just to have a mixed light cultivation permit or license and so that is my next giant hurdle but you know everybody's kind of working on on that at different at different rates um and you know the testing has been kind of a (laughs) you know a hard thing to wrap our minds around because we we worked in one model before and now we have all these new things to think about and they they phased it out in three parts so the next phase that's coming up is this heavy metals testing and that's going to happen around january 1st and so between july 1st this year and january 1st we're kind of working under one one regulation with that but you know it's a real challenge because you have quarantine and you have this time lag where you you know you put product into a dispensary or into it with a distributor they they put it in quarantine they get a test you have to wait a couple weeks for the lab to have time enough to come and do the test and to get the test results back and by then 
you know, you're put on terms, you're getting paid maybe 60 mm-hmm. days out, and, you know, I think a lot of people are struggling with that. And just not only that, but people are failing for bacterias and, and molds that then your your product has to get destroyed because there's not a lot of options for, quote, remediating flour. How do you remediate flour? And so there's some new technologies that are coming online, and we'll see what happens with all that. But um, So there's a lot of, lot of hurdles, a lot of challenges. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how to give you one straight answer, but, you know. <laughs> Big stuff coming, basically. Yeah, no, I'm glad you guys are uh, keeping up with the fight and kind of changing with uh, with the industry and the ebbs and flows. So definitely, I'll definitely keep pushing on. There's definitely yeah, a greener that's side. that's what I tell them every day. You know, I say, like, one foot in front of the next, just, like, please don't give up. We're yeah. so close. We've come this far. Like, you know, it's, right. it's not time to bail. Let's try to stick together and stronger together. Yeah, Absolutely. Colorado's seen the same, same stuff. We still deal with the daily, so... It's, yeah. it's good. I wouldn't say, I want to say it's comforting to hear you say that, but then it's not comforting. But at least we know that we're all like all going together. through the same growing pains. It's all, yeah, it's all, all relative. Together. Right, so you guys are a couple sure. thousand miles away, but it's still the same stuff we're dealing with. So right. yeah. I think there's, you know, if we all band together and push together, we can uh, we come out on top. Totally. This is awesome. Well, thank yeah. you so much for talking to us today. We appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate yeah thank it. you guys so much for the opportunity. Yeah, I look forward to, to hearing the episode. Yeah, it should be awesome. Yeah. Uh, so how can people find you guys, especially people in California? Where do they find your products? Or um, Well, mine? right now we're working through a bunch of different distributors. We have um, product coming in our new packaging to dispensaries near you mm-hmm. <laughs> all over California. Um we work with various distributors, like I was saying, with the Emerald Exchange. They're not a distributor, but they put um, sun-grown kiosks in many different dispensaries across yeah. the state. So that's something that people can look forward to. Um, they're just really starting to put those out uh, more and more um, as we speak. So that that's something to look for. And then we have a website, MendocinoGenerations.com. We're also on Facebook, at MendocinoGenerations slash Arcana Flowers. And we're on Instagram. Uh, my farm is River Shy Farms, which is the first word is river, and then the second word is T X A I Farms, and that's um, my personal page. And then we have Arcana Flowers on Instagram as well, and we have Mendocino Generations Flowers or just Mendocino Generations on Instagram too. Um, and from there, you can find you know connections to many of our farmers who are on social media as well. That's awesome. Cool. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, we appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. All right. Thank you so much. All right. And with that, I'm Lit. I'm Lucid. And that's it. This episode of Lit and Lucid Podcast is produced in partnership with Yoohoo Creative and Design. Yoohoo Creative specializes in marketing, social media management, content creation, and other creative needs. Yoohoo, helping your company become who you need to be. If you're interested in learning more, hit us up at yoohoocreative at gmail.com.